Acts 13, um, we're, we're reading actually, uh, we're kind of in the middle in Acts 13. We're going to look in verse 22. We're kind of catching up in the middle of the chapter. It's a little weird because we're not starting at the beginning. The Apostle Paul is giving, giving he's preaching, he's he's sharing about the life of Jesus, and, and he's telling us uh, all that happens prior to Jesus. He goes back to Old Testament days and, and does this whole lead up to, to the story of Jesus, but he references someone in the Old Testament, and that's who I want to look at today, and he makes two kind of references to this Old Testament character in uh, Acts 13, verse 22, and then we're going to read verse 36, both of these together, and this is what it says. It said, after removing Saul, he made David their king. Okay, this is speaking of God. God removes King Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. God removes him. God makes David the king, and God testified concerning him, and this is what he says. Everybody's going to help me here. I have found David, son of Jesse, a a man after my own heart, a man after my own heart. Just think about that for a moment, okay? Put that there, a man after my own heart. He goes on and he says, and he will do everything uh, I want him to do. And we skip to verse 36 and he says, so now when David had, everybody say these three words. Serve God's purpose. When David served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and he was buried with his ancestors. Okay, so I want you to see this. David was described in Acts as a man after God's own heart. Anything and everything that God wanted him to do, he was willing to do, and he served God's purposes. Okay, this is kind of like the, uh, the eulogy. How many of y'all, when it comes to the end of your life, you would want this to be said at your, at your funeral? That person is a man or woman after God's own heart and they served God's purposes for the generation. How many of you say, I want that to be said of my life? Okay, I do too. If you don't, don't worry, you're in a good place. Okay, so if, if, if that is something that you desire, which I desire that as well, um, what we don't get with this verse though is how that happened. We don't get all of the story. This is the highlight, but you don't get all of the back scenes of what actually happened. See, because David went from a lowly shepherd boy to eventually becoming a king. And this is the very kind of the, the summary of his life, that he, that he was a man after God's own heart and he served God's purposes for his generation. And if you look at David's life though, there was one common factor, one thing that we can look at, and we're going to look at that today that, that helped him be a man after God's own heart. Helped him be a man who served God's purposes. There's one factor. This factor is a factor that many of us can overlook in our own lives. We can, we can uh, undermine the fact that this is a really, really big deal in our lives. It's the one thing that is in our lives that if you don't get it in the right place, it can keep you stuck or it can get you moving. That is how big this one factor is today. And so I want us to look at this. Here's the, here's the one factor that David had throughout his life, and we're gonna go and look at the grand scheme of his life, and that is relationships. God ordained relationships. How many of you right now look, look over the course of your life and you know that there are God ordained relationships that God has put in your life? And you are not where, you, you are where you are today because of the people that God has put in your life. I am convinced that one of the most important decisions you can make in your entire life is who you surround yourself with. And this isn't just a message for junior hires. I mean, you know, this is a message for us adults as well. 
And so I, I want you to, to, to lean in today and uh, to start, I wanna talk about why relationships are so important. And then we're gonna come back, we're gonna look at David's life. I want, I want you to look at why relationships are so important. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this first thought down. Number one is this, relationships are crazily important because relationships affect every area of your life. Every area of your life. How many know all of your life can be going good and if one relationship's that close to you is not going well, you're not doing good? Everything can be going great, but if you, if you don't understand the relationships that you have in your life, you can be derailed and don't even realize it. Look at Proverbs 13, verse 20. It says this. I love this. as It says in the message translation, become wise by walking with the who? With the wise. Watch this. Hang out with who? Fools. And watch your life fall to pieces. How many of you go, I lived this verse out. I know exactly what this is like. These people are all wise. You guys are foolish and downly, some of y'all. So um, over here, I'm gonna talk to the wise people that have halos. Um, and so all of y'all over here that have lived this out, nobody raised their hand on this side. So how many of you know in all of this, many times in our lives, we don't get to choose what we go through, but we do get to choose who we go through it with. You don't always get to determine what you go through in life, but you do get to determine who you go through it with. And this verse is saying, you get a choice whether you choose to go through it with wise people and become wise or foolish people. Notice that it doesn't say that if you hang out with fools, you become foolish. It just jumps right to the outcome. You hang out with fools, your life falls to pieces. It literally just jumps right to the outcome. And that is this, because the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. If you wanna know how well your life probably is, just look at the quality of the relationships that are around you. If your relationships are doing well, the quality of your life is probably doing well. If the relationships around you are doing not so well, then the quality of your life is probably not doing so well. It's one of the first things that we really talk through, of course, when we have young kids. Is, is helping them choose their, their friends wisely because we know at a young age how important that is. But that's not just a young thing. It's also as we get older that these relationships can, can affect us in major ways. There was a medical study that was done. Watch this. There was a medical study that was done that showed that the relationships can literally, the type of relationships that you have can literally increase your lifespan meaning that the greater, the better relationships, the healthier the relationships you, you have can actually increase your lifespan. They even prove this, that it can actually increase your lifespan more than exercising. Come on, how many of you want a friend more than going and working out? Anybody know? <laughs> Everybody's like, that's why I got all these friends. I don't need to work out. <laughs> okay, go work out, people. So your relationships affect every area of your life. Let me give you number two. Number two here, your destiny is tied to your relationships. Your destiny is tied to your relationships. Look at, look at Genesis chapter two, the very beginning of, of the world being created. We had creation and all of that. God creates the, the stars, the moons, the planets, the animals, everything. He creates man. And then we get Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And he says, then the Lord God said, after he made all this, he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a, a what? 
a helper who is just right for him. Now, here's the deal. Adam wasn't alone. I mean, Adam had animals all around him. He wasn't alone. And if you even take it maybe a little step further, was God there? Right? So, so he wasn't alone. I mean, he had a dog as a companion. <laughs> he could ride a rhino if he wanted to. <laughs> and then God was walking with him in the cool of the day, and yet God says, no, 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 no. You even need more help than just me. Like, you, <laughs> I'm gonna have to bring you even some more help. And, and so he says, listen, you're, you're, gonna need, you're gonna need an Eve. So, of course, we know the story puts Adam to sleep and he makes Eve and God said to him, hey, you're gonna need some, you're gonna need some help. And, 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 and I wanna say that to all of us that are in here that go, well, I got Jesus, that's all I need. Well, according to Adam, that still wasn't enough. God said, no, Adam, you, you, you need even more than, than you. And how many know, we don't just need people in our life that will hang with us, we need people in our life that will help us. I don't just need people that'll hang with me. I need people that will, that will help me. I mean, you know, Moses needed Joshua. Paul needed Timothy. Jesus needed the disciples. Elijah needed Elisha. Come on, how I many know Batman needs Robin? Come on, somebody. That's what you need. Breeze needed Peyton. Now they're both gone. What the heck's going on here? So let's mourn for a second here. <laughs> God, let us not be the ain'ts again. Let us not. <laughs> let us not. Oh. All right, so I, wanna, I, want, I want you to repeat this after me. Say, say this with me. I need someone, I need someone besides, me besides me to help me, to help me be, all be all that God's called me, God's called me to, be. to be. I'm going to say it again. I need somebody, I need somebody besides, me besides me to help me, to help me be, the be the all that God has called me to be. And so what God will do is God will bring people into your life. Last week we talked about how God made you on purpose, for purpose, by purpose. I want you to hear me closely. God will bring people into your life on purpose, for purpose, by purpose, so you can complete your purpose. Ready? I call these purpose partners. So today I'm calling this message purpose partners. And I want us to look at the purpose partners that God brought into David's life that helped him go from a teenage shepherd boy to a mighty warrior king. David was not, it's just me and I got this. David had key, God-ordained, God-sent, divine purpose partners brought into his life at key moments in his life that helped him become all that God wanted him to be. I need someone besides me to help me be the best me that I can be. I gotta have some people. You've gotta have some people. And so I wanna look at four reasons you and I need purpose partners. We need some people in our lives that are going to help us move forward in our purpose because because relationships affect every, every, every area of my life and, and my destiny is tied to my relationships. And if my destiny is tied to my relationships and I can't get there without these relationships, then what are the kind of relationships that I need in my life? I want you to look at me. Number one, write this down. When you're stuck 
in obscurity, they call out the potential in you. This is why you and I need purpose partners. We need people in our lives because when you and I get stuck in obscurity, when we get stuck in our own place, when we get stuck in a place of hiding, stuck in a place where it seems like we're not seen, you need some people who can see you and call things out of you. And we're going to now look at 1 Samuel. So let's go and look at David's life now. 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're gonna start in verse one, verse one, King Saul has been the king. He's done some things that dishonored God. He wasn't repentant of it. And so the Bible says that God's spirit was removed from King Saul. And God says, I, I've got, I'm gonna choose somebody else. And 1 Samuel 16, verse one says this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, the Lord said to Samuel. I want you to see as we roll these out how God initiates these relationships. The Lord says to Samuel, you've mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. All right, find a man named Jesse who lives there for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So fast forward, he goes he finds Jesse, he gets all of Jesse's sons together, consecrates them, and says, uh, I, I, God's got a word for one of your sons, I need you to get all your sons together. So Jesse gets all of his sons together, and he brings them before, before Samuel. He first off, of course, brings his oldest, eldest son to him. This is his first child, I'm sure his golden child, and he says, this has gotta be the one. And Samuel looks at him and says, that might be the one, and God says, nope, that's not the one. That's not the one, because man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. And, and even though outwardly he looks like he can be fit for being the king, I see something inside of him that nobody else sees. And so he passes on the first one. Then he, pass, and then he looks at, okay, well, it's got to be the second son. So they bring the second son up. And he, you know, does the catwalk. And am I king? Am I not king? What's up? And, and so that's how I picture how it went. That's how it went. <laughs> Let me see you walk. Okay, yeah, you don't walk like a king. All right, you're out. And then, and then the third son, and then the fourth son, and then the fifth son, and then the sixth son, and the seventh son. And in the next verse, look, look what it says in verse 10. And all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. Oh, wait, hold up, though. Samuel says to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, so are these, are these, are these all you got? Because God told me, like, I was supposed to pick one of your sons. And then he says, oh, wait. Yeah, there's the runt. He's the runt of the family. He's the last one. He's the youngest of them all. Um, he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. And so Samuel says, well, we'll go get him. Go send for him. And so watch what he says. We're not going to sit down and eat until he arrives. And so Jesse sent for him. And he was dark. And he was handsome. And he was beautiful eyes. Come on, ladies. How many are like, I'll take one of those. All right, come on. Dark, handsome, and beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, watch this. As soon as he walks up, the Lord says to Samuel, this is the one. This is the one. Anoint him. Now watch this. So as David, next verse says, so as David stood there, and I love this, among his brothers, as he's standing there in front of all of his family, all of his brothers, all of that, Samuel takes the flask of oil, olive oil, and he had brought, and he anointed David with the oil. And then watch the next verse. And he says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel said, I'm going home. <laughs> that was it. 
That, that's literally the moment that we get right here. David was stuck out being a shepherd, doing shepherding things, while all of his dad and his brothers were with the prophet. And he's, he's the overlooked one. Question, anybody in, ever, in, anybody in here or online, any of y'all ever felt like, felt like you've been overlooked? Like they saw everybody else, but they didn't see you. You were at the job. You were being faithful. You were doing what you were supposed to do. You're doing everything that God told you to do, but you're overlooked. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's promoting you. Nobody's helping you. Nobody's doing anything for you. It seems like everybody else is getting all the attention. Everybody else is getting all the praise. Everybody else is getting all the service, but I'm the only one that's overlooked. But I'm here today to tell you, and this is good news, that even if man can't see you, God still does. God still does, and if you're stuck in a field tending to some nasty sheep, God says, I still see you. I still see you. I got you. And listen, you might not get invited to the party, but when God invites you to the party, you're going to show up. And God invites him to the party because Samuel says, go get him. He needs to get here, and when he gets there, he gets anointed in front of all of them. Now watch this, and here's why I think this is a divine partner, a purpose, a purpose partner. is because Samuel... Through, of course, the Holy Spirit and God's divine wisdom, saw in David what his own family didn't see in him. The family, in a sense, didn't even want him to come to the, to the event. And so I'm just here today to just encourage some people that, that even though there may be people that don't see your potential, God sees your potential, and God will bring purpose partners into your life to remind you that you still have potential when nobody else can see it. And he goes in this moment, and he points it out. And how many know, as, as people of God, and I just want to give an encouragement to all of us, us in here, as people of God, we need to stop pointing out people's sin, and we need to start pointing out their potential. Listen, we just need to start pointing out people's potential. And listen, I'm not saying that we don't speak to sin by any regards. Following the message, we'll get there. But what I'm saying is, how many know we're really, really good at pointing out people's problems but not pointing out their potential? And I don't know if you're like me, but man, I want to get some people in my life that don't just point out what I'm not good at. I'm pretty well aware of what I'm not good at. I need some people in here to remind me what I can do and what God has called me to do. And here we are, Samuel gets brought into David's life. God brings David into Samuel's life. God says, I see, I see David, and he brings that out of him. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend, meaning improves a friend, enhances a friend. Come on, are the people in your life making you dull? Or are they making you sharp? Are they calling the best out of you? Or are they making you worse? Are they making you better? Or are they making you bitter? You gotta get around some people that can call the potential out of you, call that out of you, see that in you, and bring it to the forefront. And and, and if you go and you follow any great athlete, they would tell you that they wouldn't be where they are if it wasn't a coach that pushed them beyond what they thought that they could do. They called that out of them. So I want you to say this with me. Say, I need someone someone besides me me to believe in me. me. Come on, say that again. I need someone someone besides me to believe in me. So the first one is, is Samuel. God brings Samuel into David's life to believe in him, to call him into his calling, okay? So that, that, that's the first divine purpose partner that God brings into his life. So if you fast forward and you look, you go, and go throughout the story, you see David, of course, the, one of the next big moments in David's life is, is David beats Goliath. David 
takes Goliath out. Big, huge accomplishment. What Saul couldn't do, David did. And so in, we talked about this last week, by the way, with Moses, one of Saul's biggest issues that he had to deal with was his insecurity. Saul didn't see himself as God saw him. And so because of his insecurity, it really fouled him out of the game. And, and so when David was rising up and David was having all the success, Saul saw it as a threat to the kingdom. And so if you know the story, Saul begins to actually try to kill David, throws spears at him, chases him, and watch this, for the next 13 years, Saul chases him to try to take him out. Y'all think y'all have bad friends? Come on, that is a bad one. For 13 years, tries to take him out. David literally has to be on the run for 13 years, living in the wilderness and living in caves. And so here we are, David has been living in the wilderness, he's been living in caves for 13 years, and, and I want you to see this, this is point number two, because God's gonna bring another divine purpose partner into his life, and here's number two, if you wanna write this down, that you need a purpose partner in your life because when you're stuck in fear, you need some people in your life that can help seek the Lord with you. You need some people in your life that can help seek the Lord with you, help, that can help you, that can help encourage you, that can bring you before the Lord, that can help you go before the Lord. I want you to see with me in 1 Samuel, now chapter 23, chapter 23, verse 14, look at this, it says this. So David stayed in the wilderness, strongholds, and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life. Verse 16 says, and Saul's son, say it again, say it again. Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, and what did he do? He helped him find strength in God. In verse 17, it says this. Don't be afraid. This is what Jonathan says. Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. And even my father Saul knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Ready? In other words, God brought a divine purpose partner into David's life 13 years on the run, 13 years of not being able to really be the man that God's called him to be. He was anointed and called by God from Samuel. You're gonna be king, you're gonna be anointed, and for the next 13 years is on the run from all this. How many know 13 years of running, at some point you go, I'm just done, I don't want this. And God sends a purpose partner into his life for this one reason, just to remind him, don't quit. Don't quit. Jonathan comes into his life. God, Jonathan is a divine partner that comes into his life, and it says that he helps him find strength in God. How many of you in this room would be honest and said that there's been some times this year, maybe over the last two years, where you're just like, I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to quit this relationship. I'm ready to quit this faith. I'm ready to quit this thing. I'm ready to quit my job. I'm ready to quit this marriage. I'm ready to quit these kids. You can have them back, Lord. I'm ready to quit. Anybody ever been there? Like, you're just ready to quit. You're ready to be done. Like, I don't want this anymore. And how many know David didn't even ask for it? 
Like God brought Samuel into David's life and says, you're gonna have this. I'm like, I, it's one thing if I wanna quit things that I start. It's a whole nother thing when I wanna quit things God starts. And yet God begins this in him and God knows, God knows 13 years on the run, he's gotta be done. He's gotta be tired. He's gotta be weak. He's gotta be exhausted. And so you know what I need to do? I need to get one of my purpose partners up in his life and I just need to remind him, don't quit, don't quit. And he helps him find strength in the Lord. How many know it's a real true friend that helps you find strength, not only in yourself, but helps you find strength in the Lord. Come on, helps you find some strength in the Lord. God's got this, God can work this, God's with you. And I believe one of the greatest gifts you and I can give and here's the beauty of this. All of us in this room can give this gift. It is a free gift, but it is an expensive gift. It is the gift of encouragement. It's the gift of encouragement. The incredible ability to come along somebody who is hurting and hopeless and helpless and wants to quit and to encourage them in the Lord. And we need to do this on a daily basis. Why do we need to encourage people daily? Because discouragement also comes daily. And so, so Jonathan came into his life and says, man, don't, don't quit. You got this. Don't quit this. Didn't the Lord say this was going to be yours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, God's got this. You're going to be king. And that's my dad. Yeah, he's a little crazy. I've been telling you my dad's been crazy for a long time. I know, I know, man. And so here we are in this moment. He's encouraging him not to quit. That's what Proverbs 17, 17 says. It says, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Last year, I um, actually in 2020, so um, I, during the quarantine time, I started picking up like different trades. Like I'm at home, I, I, I gotta be busy, I gotta do some things, I wanna learn some things, I wanna take advantage of the quarantine time. So a couple of things I started doing, like I started making furniture, um, I started making things. The other thing that I wanted to do, I had been in Cajun land for 20 years and I had never boiled crawfish. Yeah, don't judge me. Okay, listen. It's just what it was, okay? Uh, and, and so I was like, I'm going to learn how to boil crawfish. And so I, uh, during quarantine, I, I, I had to borrow a bunch of different things because I didn't have all the stuff. So, I mean, thankfully, I pastor in a Cajun church, and everybody around here has stuff. So I just gathered all the different things that everybody had, and they're like, yeah, you can have this, and you can have this. And so I got it, and, and they're telling me how to do it and how to boil it all. And, 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 and I learned a couple things about boiling things. Y'all want to know the, the lessons that I learned around boiling? Okay. There's a couple, not that I need to teach y'all. Y'all already know, but I'm gonna just help you with the things that I've learned. It helps me, it just helps me to get it out. Okay, so I, one of the things that I learned real quickly about boiling crawfish was is that you don't have to put a lid on the crawfish. And I'm like, what? Like, I've always thought you would have to put, you know, as soon as it's boiling, you'd have to put the lid on the crawfish. And I learned real quickly, you don't have to put the lid on the crawfish because the crawfish always pull each other down. They always pull each other down. Um, all, all the time. As soon as one's crawling out, they're like, no, <laughs> you're coming back. If I'm suffering, we're all suffering. I mean, there's just everyone. It's just, they would always, always, pull them, always pull them down. Second thing that I learned, by the way, is uh, you never move the pit or you never move the crawfish boil while it's still boiling hot after. I had one of those that like, was on wheels and I moved it and it hit a rock and it fell over. Um, and so all of this was nicely burned. <clears throat> Let's just say I don't do that anymore. Okay, that was the lesson that I learned. Yet again, like I said, so with crawfish, they're, they're, they'll, they'll pull each other 
down. This verse says that, man, I need a friend. I need a, I, I need a friend that's not going to pull me down. I need a friend that's going to pick me up. I, I, need, a, I need a brother that's going to that's help in time of need. I need someone that's going to be in my life that's going to help me. I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said it this way. He said, in prosperity, your friends know you, but in adversity, you know who your friends are. <clears throat> when things get hard, how many know the type of people you have in your life can keep you stuck in the same place for a long time or they can help get you out? And so, and so David had a friend named Jonathan that said, hey, listen, I know you're stuck in a wilderness, and I know you're stuck in fear, and I know that you're stuck in a place that you don't want to be in. I know that you can be stuck in this place, but how many know a good friend will say, I ain't going to let you stay in depression. I ain't going to let you stay in fear. I ain't going to let you stay in pain. I ain't going to let you stay in hurt. I'm going to come, and I'm going to help you get out of this. Okay, so that's another purpose partner. Then I want to introduce you to the third purpose partner as we come And that is that, and here we go, number three, when stuck in sin, they speak the truth to you. So we fast forward, David is now king, David is in power, he he has the throne, he is the man, he's got everything that God had promised him from Samuel, that this is going to be my guy, and if you know the story, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, if you don't know the story, I'll give you kind of the, the summarization of it, is that David sends all of his guys off to war. He decides to stay home. King should be going with their armies, but he decides to stay back. Because he stays back, he, he, he puts himself in a situation that he shouldn't have put himself in. He's, he's on the top of the roof overlooking all of his castle, all of his everything, all his dominion. He sees a woman that's bathing, um, and that stirs something up inside of him. He calls the woman to his, to his place and ends up sleeping with this woman. Her name is Bathsheba. Um, and then this one-night stand turned into a, oops, I'm pregnant. And when she finds out that she's pregnant, David's like, I've got to figure out how to cover this up. And so David invites her husband, who's one of his main guys in the army, to come and to, uh, his name's Uriah, to come home with the intentions of hopefully he'll sleep with his wife and then they'll just think that he was the one that did it. And then if you know the story, uh, Uriah, who is so loyal to David and loyal to the kingdom, um, did what, what those men would do, which is because war was a holy war, they would make sure that they kept themselves holy. So he came home. He did not sleep with his wife, and so David's now up a creek like, man, what am I really going to do? So David ends up deciding, has this brilliant idea that he thinks, I'm going to put Uriah at the front of the battle, and then I'm going to have all of, the, all of the army pull back, and I'll just have Uriah killed. And so, sure enough, it happens. Uriah does get killed in battle, and, and David thinks that he's, he, he did it, okay? He's, he's in the clear now. He's good. And how many know that just because God doesn't deal with you in your sin at that moment doesn't mean God didn't see? (laughs) Just because we didn't face consequences from our bad decisions in the moment doesn't mean that there won't be consequences down the line. And so I believe that God was giving David an opportunity to repent. God was giving David an opportunity to make things right. And so David just went about his life like it was no big deal. And so guess what God says? Well, we gotta, we gotta deal with this. And so God sends another purpose partner into David's life. Look with me in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse one. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse one, it says, 
And the, the who? Lord. Sent who? Nathan. So the Lord sent Nathan. Another prophet, Samuel was a prophet, Nathan was a prophet. The Lord sends another prophet, another man to, um, to David. And verse seven, he, he pretty much goes to David and, and he says this, which is words that we all like to hear. Nathan says, you the man. But how many know, this, this wasn't a you the man you wanna hear. <laughs> he's like, you are the man. He's, he's, he, he speaks this story. I'm not gonna get into the whole long story, but he speaks this whole story about this man that robs, robs a poor person and David gets infuriated and thinks, well, we need to take that guy out. And, and Nathan says, you, you're the guy. You're, you're, you're the guy. These are... These are our courageous friends. If someone is bold enough to tell you the truth about you, don't get upset, be grateful. Because it is in these moments that um, oftentimes we can get offended, but you need to realize that when God brings people into your life that confront you with truth and, and grace, that it is grace. It's never meant to be bad. It's meant to be grace. Because how many know if, if a friend loves you enough to see something that's going to take you out, addresses it, how many know that's a true friend? I would rather have a friend who stabs me in the front than stabs me in the back. I'd rather a friend who talks to me to my face than talks to, about me to other people. And God will send purpose partners into your life that will see things in your life that will help you understand that if you don't deal with this, this could take you out. How many know if David would have just kept going on, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it would have been well for him. God was so committed to him fulfilling his purpose that he had to bring someone into his life that would confront this. Which, by the way, by the way, King Saul also had Samuel, who was a prophet, confront him when he messed up. The only difference is both of them messed up, but, but when Saul was confronted with his sin, he rejected Samuel. When David was confronted with his sin, he repented. Hey, watch this. Could there be purpose partners that God has brought into your life to help you, to correct you, but you have chosen to reject them? Because you didn't like what was, what was being said. You didn't like how they were, how they were oh, I don't, I don't like what they were doing. No, no, no. They were getting to the things in our own hearts. Watch this. Proverbs 27, 6 says it this way. Faithful are the, are the what? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A real friend, by the way, is not afraid to hurt you in the short term to help you in the long term. And I need someone besides me that can tell me about me. So we've got to ask ourselves, am I, have I postured myself in such a way for God to have people in my life that can tell me the truth, that can help me, that can correct me? If I'm stuck in sin, I mean, no, if we're stuck in sin, I don't want to be stuck in sin. I want to get out. I want to live free. I want to live all that God has for us, and God will bring these people into your life that will help you get beyond you. Hey, let me, let me go ahead and help you. Anybody in here married? Who's married? There you go. You've already got one. No one has helped me deal with me more than her. I thought I was good. Until I realized, like, there's some selfishness that, how I many know, you don't realize how selfish you are till you get married, and then you really don't realize how selfish you are till you have kids. 
And then you start realizing like, woo, I'm a little bit more selfish than I realized. I, I, I realize there's some things in my heart that I've gotta, I've gotta, I've gotta really wrestle with. I've gotta, I've gotta deal with in here. And God will bring some divine purpose partners in your life that will help you fulfill all God's called you to be to not get stuck in a place that we wanna get stuck in. I need someone in my life that can help me with me. And then number four, last one, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up with this, is that when I'm stuck in a battle, they fight the enemy for you. So there was a Samuel who called the potential out of David. There was a Jonathan who, called the, who, who, who encouraged him in the Lord and helped him in strength with the Lord. Then there was a Nathan that, that called and spoke truth to him. And then there was a guy by the name of Abishai. You'll see this. Now, we all know David's first giant. What was his name? Goliath. Goliath. But the question is, do you know David's last giant? Because just because he beat Goliath didn't mean he was done facing giants. He faced a last giant, and I want you to look at what happens here in 2 Samuel chapter 21. So this is nearing the end of David's life, and David in, in Samuel 21 verse 15 says this, and once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. I mean, no, he started against the Philistines. He's still battling the Philistines. His whole life's been against these Philistines. And so, and when David and his men were in the thick of a battle, David became, what did he become? He became weak and exhausted. <laughs> Verse 16. That's a name. I don't know anybody that names your children this. Ish Bini Bob. Benab. Ish Bini Benabab. <laughs> We're just going to call him Ishi. Okay, right now. Well, he was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds. He was armed with a new sword. Now, watch this. And he had cornered David and was about to kill him. So literally, David is stuck between a rock and a hard place. He's got another giant that's going to face him. The difference, though, this time is that he's weak and exhausted. He's older. And I want you to see who God sends into his life in such a moment as this. Verse 17 says, but Abishai, son of Zeruah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Now watch. The first fight that David fought with, he beat a giant with a rock. The last fight, rocks wouldn't work. He needed a brother. He needed a friend. He needed a purpose partner to come in. David didn't just need a miracle. He needed someone in his life. Now you would think that it would be the opposite. You would think that when he was young, he would need some help from some guys to beat the enemy. And as he got older, he could say, I got it. I got it. I know how to do this. But it's the exact opposite thing that happens. The more and the older he got, the more he needed people in his life. It wasn't the less that he needed them, it was the more he needed them. Because the more you grow in God, the bigger the giants get. And when you get older, you can get weaker, you can get exhausted, and God says, I, you still need people in your life, you still gonna, and so God sends 
a man in his life named Abishai that says, I got this, I got it for you. If you can't fight, I got it for you. I, I, I got it. I, I can take this out. And you and I need someone besides me who can fight for me. You and I need someone besides me who can call the potential out of me. You and I need someone besides me who can help me. You and I need someone besides me that can correct me and direct me. And in David's life, the end of his life, he, he did fulfill his purpose. He was a man after God's own heart. He did do all that God called him to do. I just want you to realize he did not do any of that alone. God had brought these people into his life to help him be and find the purposes that God has or fulfill the purposes that God has for his life. And so today, like, as we're launching life groups and as we're launching opportunities for you to get connected into relationships, I just want you to know this, that maybe just that one decision of getting connected to people could be the biggest decision you make in altering the, the direction of your life. One decision of the type of relationships that I'm gonna be around. Am I gonna be around people who are gonna lift me or am I gonna be around people that are gonna pull me? Am I gonna be around people that are gonna challenge me? Am I gonna be around people that are going to help me, fight for me? Anybody in here just grateful for some people in your life that when you couldn't fight, they kept fighting for you? Anybody? They just kept fighting for you. I'm, not gonna just, I'm just not gonna let you stay here. I'm not gonna let the enemy take you out. I'm just not gonna do that. I'm gonna just keep fighting. I'm gonna just, and God, I, I, just, I just need some help. I just need some people that, that will do that. But I wanna end today with this. Uh, is yes, we need people in our life. But I want you to see something here as we close today, and that is that there was one more purpose partner in David's life this purpose partner didn't come in and out of his life, by the way. This purpose partner was a part of his life throughout that whole stint of his life. And if you don't look for him, you can miss him. But he was one of the greatest people that God had in his life. And we see it in 1 Samuel 16 in the beginning when it said this. Watch this. Samuel took the flask of oil, olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the, I mean, no, that's the person too. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. David had purpose partners in his life, divine relationships that he had been brought in his life. But how many know in this, the greatest purpose partner that David had was his relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is when, so I just started writing this down. The Holy Spirit was the one who gave David the confidence to fight Goliath. The Holy Spirit was the one who anointed David's hands to play the harp skillfully. The Holy Spirit was the one who strengthened David when he was constantly on the run for his life. The Holy Spirit was the one who gave David the wisdom to rule as a king. The Holy Spirit was the one that convicted and restored David after his moral collapse because in Psalms 51, which is the Psalm that David writes after he gets confronted with, you're the man, Watch what David prays in Psalms 51 when he says this, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Come on, if you wanna get unstuck in life, you need people and you need the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen from someone in here that realized I need both of those? I need to have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, and I need people in my life that can help me. And by the way, the Holy Spirit can use people to help you, and the Holy Spirit can speak to you by himself.
as well. But when you marry the two together, come on, how many know it's powerful? Because I don't know about y'all, there are times I don't listen to the Holy Spirit. I know, I know. (laughs) You're like, no way, yes. And so you know what God does? He whispers to people that are close to me and says, can you remind him of this? Can you deal with this? Can you talk to him about this? Because sometimes, sometimes I just don't let the Holy Spirit through. But in God's grace and in God's love, he sends other people to me to be his messengers. How many know David looks back in his life and even though what Nathan said to him was hard, he's grateful for Nathan. He's grateful for Jonathan. He's grateful for Abishai. He's grateful for Samuel. Who are those people that are in your life you think back? Can I encourage you to do a couple of things? First off, if there are people in your life that have been that to you, would you this week just take a moment to thank them, encourage them, say, hey, thank you for being that for me. You came at just the right moment for me and I would not be where I am if it wasn't for you. Thank you for that. Number two, I would ask you to do is that if you don't have someone like that, if you don't have people, then man, you need to get in some groups. You need to get in relationships with people. You need to get around some people. But lastly is just to realize that, how many know just as much as God has sent people to us to be that, how many know right now God might be wanting to send you to be people for other people? So, so today, maybe you can be that. This week, this month, this year, you can be that for someone around you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you that as we look back over our life, the divine relationships that you have brought into our life, and we say thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's been just a gift to us. The person of the Holy Spirit has been one of the greatest gifts, the greatest gifts that you have given us to help guide, direct, encourage. But God, we thank you that Holy Spirit, you have also, you wanna bring these people into our lives. And so God, we wanna just be open to it. We wanna say yes to it, yes to it. God, if there's people in in our life that you wanna bring into our life, God, to help us be all that you have called us to be, God, we we wanna say yes to that. We don't wanna reject those. We, we, we wanna invite them. God, we invite them into our lives because God, we know that in order for us to be the best me that you've called me to be, I need someone besides me. And so God, just bring divine relationships in this house. God, I pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen.